Where we last left Reese, he was in a hall of stone, blood, and corpses, along with the reality of Vale, who had come down from his throne and revealed one particular body that may have been of interest to Reese. Reese bends down and he slowly turns over the body, seeing that the knife had been stuck into the body of a mock. <laughs> You damned fool. You think this is what I want. And he glances, and he stands back up. To be fair, this is what even I thought I wanted, but these last few days have given me a moment of clarity. And now, thanks to you, that has become perfectly clear. My purpose as a warden has completely vanished since coming through the rift, and I think... I know exactly where my path lies now. And Vale kind of steps down from his little dais, and he reaches out, and suddenly in his hand there's a rope. And he pulls it, and this huge sail just sort of like breaks out of the stone, and the floor starts to crumble away as wooden planks are revealed. And there's this huge just gust of wind that smacks you right in the face, and you smell salt in the sea. And then as you look around, you can see just endless blue waves going on into the expanse of forever. Seagulls and other birds of the ocean chirping above you, making their cawing sounds at each other, a few of them resting in the lofty crow's nest high above. Vale now stands a little bit above you on the stairs up to the helm of a massive ship, the deck empty except for yourself. Him, of course, being in his pirate garb fits in rather well. And as he looks around at this new scene, he says, What? Then you want some sort of freedom? Hmm? Is it something like this? A new life entirely? Does this fit your fancy a little more? Reese takes a deep breath, breathing in the salty air. And he walks up the steps, meeting Vale. And he says, No, no. Although this is a step that helped me know what this old paladin wants is to elevate his station I want to become a reality interesting well unfortunately my friend (laughs) I had to break it to you but I'm not quite the man to talk to about that you are aware what a reality is are you not having the slightest clue but it sounds fascinating Oh, my dear boy. Realities are mortal beings, were mortal beings, that were chosen by ethereals, the highest gods of our planes of existence, to fulfill some purpose, some mission, some quest, whatever god's damn thing they want at the time. If you succeed, you're uplifted, you're enlightened, all the wonderful things that happen to you. And if you fail or you rebel against their purposes, well, that's where the Valors come from. I have a bit of a different story myself, but I won't bore you with the details. If you want to become a reality, it's not me you have to convince. It's an ethereal. And, lucky enough for you, I'm pretty sure an ethereal is your next stop. I was just about to say, after all the craziness that we've been through thus far, I wouldn't be surprised. Come to think of it, 
most realities were kin. I think all of them, actually. I, I don't interact with them too much. You wouldn't blame me. Are you not a reality? I am a reality, but the others consider me uh, a bit beneath them. And so, we're not on speaking terms. You, however, you're a different sort altogether. You're not reality. You're not human. You're not kin. You already have a bit of god stuff in you. Yeah. My curse. And, as some would expect, my blessing. No, 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 no. You see it as a curse. And yes, yes, that's the classic thing. Everyone says that. Oh, no, it's, it's a gift. You just use it like a gift. No, no, no. There's much more to the inside of you, Relandia, than I think you know. Enlighten me. Oh, no. Not me. Like I said, I'll let your next step take over that conversation. And he takes out his little knife that he's been holding, and he slashes at the rope that he still has gripping in one hand. And the ship just heaves upward in the ocean, and you hear this massive cracking as if the front of it just impacted this sharp boulder or some sort of obstacle and the wood beneath you just explodes outward and you feel these thousand splinters clang against your armor and your skin where it can and then suddenly you are back outside in the port city Vale's estate in front of you we'll go over to Mick oh man Mick and Vale are in a bar, or at least the inside of Vale's estate in the form of a bar. The ornately polished bar top littered with blood and glass where Vale had just smashed a mug in his hand. The chairs and tables in the parlor are empty, but pristine, nicely stacked and waiting for the next day's patronage. Vale gives a little laugh, and then he sets the bloodied mug down and comes out from behind the bar, and then leans up against it beside you, and says, Mickey. If I can call you Mickey, is that alright? Uh, we're friends now, aren't we? Uh, I'd say so, acquaintances more, but perhaps we could be better friends. Go on. There's someone you encountered a very, very, very long time ago. Not that long, actually. I over-exaggerate. But someone of import... It was a man, a mysterious figure. It was shortly after you met this little band here, not including Efron and the kin general, but Reese and Lyrian and Luca and the like. Yes, I remember Luca. You should too. It wasn't too long ago that he left you. But I digress. This man that you met, I believe when you saw him, he held a rapier similar to yours, and you engaged in a little duel. Or maybe look at it, I don't quite remember which one of you it was, to be honest. But he was an interesting sort. He would have presented you with a riddle, and perhaps with a proposition. Do you know of who I speak? Well, no. No. But uh, no of, yes, of course, I remember the fellow. His name is Falter, or at least that's the name he parades around. And being one who takes on many forms, I would have expected you and he to get on much differently, but alas, it seems the fates were not meant to align. But I digress once more. My true purpose in this inquiry is, is this. You have not seen the last of this man, 
and I would simply like to deliver with you a warning not to engage with him. What he is is beyond your comprehension, or at least what I suspect him to be. What he truly is, I do not know. Hmm, you really don't know who this man is? That's curious. Unfortunately, omniscience isn't part of a reality's game. Not an ethereal. I don't make the world. I just shape it to my liking. What makes you want me to not engage with this fellow? There are dangerous powers abounding, my dear. Dangerous indeed. And the more power you give them through your words, through your patronage, kind of just motions around him to the empty bar, you give them so much more than what you believe you are, looking at them, speaking with them. You don't fully understand the rules of this world, the laws on which it was built, from which it was formed, but they do. And anything you give, no matter what it is, they are liable to take, no matter how little. So I simply give you that word of warning. This falter character or whatever they go around calling themselves now, in whatever form they may take, simply beware. They are never your friend. And whatever problem you have, whatever issue you need solving, the solutions that they will give you will only create more heartache. Curious, Bill. Very. A question I have for you, of course, we're friends, right? I believe you said acquaintances. Oh, Mishgosh, I I didn't mean to say that. My bad. I think we are friends. You would say so. I did quite just give you some friendly advice, so why not? Would you say what you just described is what's going on here between you and me? I don't quite catch what you're insinuating, but I'll be frank, I don't like it. My apologies. Please forget I said anything about it. I'll make sure not to go near this. Falter? Falter. Falter. I want to go near this Falter fellow, then. Good, good. That would please me. Tell me. And he uh, reaches behind the bar, and he pulls out two mugs of ale, and he passes one to you. And he says, Mick, you haven't been in this world very long. Perhaps you've not been in your world for very long, either. At least, as one being or another. Tell me. And he takes a little sip. Have you ever been in love? And then he takes a longer sip. It depends on what you mean by in love. I think I've been infatuated before, but realize that that venture wasn't worth it in the end. So no, I am. Um, I think I can say with confidence, no, I haven't. Have you? Hmm. And he takes a little sip of his drink again, and he sits down. And he says, "Yes. Ah, <sighs> a shame, though. You're young. There's much of this world that you have not seen. Keep that in mind. Now, be off." And he kind of just shoes you towards the door. Well, thank you. Lovely company. See you another time, hopefully. You won't. Toodles. And then I leave. <laughs> you go back through the door to the bar? Um, yes, where he directed me. And as you open the door, you come outside. And looking behind you, you see just sort of a normal Port Authority office. Empty. Devoid of any light or activity. And in front of you, you see the rest of your friends prostrate, lying on the ground. Reese is kind of sitting up, looking around. 
And now we're going to pass over to Val. So the office that Val has found himself in with Vale becomes suddenly dark as Vale approaches you with this offer now. He has come around this big desk that has all the maps and charts and whatnot on it, and the candles in the room seem to dim. And as he steps toward you, he holds out his hand in front of him, palm upward, and a small ball of twirling white and yellow light begins to coalesce into an orb that then grows larger and larger until it's about the size of his palm, resting a few inches in the air just in front of him. Val, care to see? I have uh, one more question before I do anything, if I may. Very well. You're drawing this out quite a bit. That is not exactly my intention, but um, after I see these things, may I ask more questions about them, or will that require some sort of payments as well? Hmm. Usually I'm a bit more reticent than I have been with you, but I'll allow it. One question. Well, that is not very many. I'll take it, so. So then, will you take my offer? And he just kind of holds the orb a little closer. To look only. Yes, yes. As I said, look and to touch will talk terms. Okay, uh, Val will peer at this orb a little more closely. <laughs> so it grows substantially in size until it's about the uh, diameter of a watermelon or so, a larger fruit. And as you look into it, the white and yellow light seems to move around like waves on its surface, and it seems to part in a small circle where you can peer under where it seems to look like a crystal of sorts. It distorts the picture quite a bit, but as you look closer it starts to become clearer and clearer until you see the image of a young girl running through the woods. And then the image sort of stops, freezes, and it pans backward over as if you're looking through the eyes of some sort of bird just flying above the scene. And you see maybe two dozen individuals in black and purple robes chasing after this girl which you of course recognize as inquisitors not from morden's cadre but still they are just as deadly and then the chase resumes and this bird's eye view goes back over to the girl and sort of settles in front of her and you see her face clear as day and she has this shoulder length straw colored hair that's flapping wildly behind her a lot of it is pulled back in a loose bun, but it's fallen out. Her face is covered in dirt and scratches and cuts, and the clothes she's wearing look to be those of someone who's quite lowborn, threadbare, barely staying together. But even then, you see her stop, kicking up dirt and mud where she stands, and turning around to face these two dozen or so inquisitors chasing her through these woods. As the Inquisitors near, you see that they are carrying different assortments of weapons, many of them short swords, but others forms of hand crossbows. They start shooting in her direction, and as the bolts near her, they stop, 
maybe two, three feet just simply in the air in front of her. The ones that come near her, at least. Other ones fly well past or hit into trees or the ground far off. And then she mutters a few words that you're not quite sure you understand, but you could swear by your life it was kindlish. And then she reaches forward her hand and she makes a large sweeping motion. And in front of her, the ground explodes. The trees are uprooted, the branches are shattered, the trunks are ripped to pieces, and the Inquisitors and everything in front of her, in like a thousand foot cone, is just blown backwards. And then, for a minute, after this deafening explosion and this immense wave of power that's gone out, the image clears again, and you see her standing there, breathing heavily. She falls down onto one of her knees... And as the scene in front of her becomes more clear once more with this dirt and dust that's been thrown everywhere, settling down from the air, you just see this massive gorge that's been dug in front of her by sheer force of will. The Inquisitors are nowhere to be seen. The trees are gone. The soil's been dug into somewhere between three and... 12 feet in some parts where everything has just been uprooted and thrown apart and then she turns back and she looks right at you and she kind of has a moment of surprise and she mutters the kinlish words for conceal and then the image fades to black immediately and these white and yellow waves of light that were crashing over this orb that Vale holds just coalesce once more and cover the crystal underneath. And then it shrinks, and it just dissipates like little wisps in the wind. And he wipes his palms and then folds his hands in front of his back and stares at you with a very self-satisfied grin. Of course he does. <laughs> um, Val will, you know, straighten up from having looked at this orb and then look at Vale and say... Why do you offer me this power? No, 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 no. Well, let's let's put some perspective into this question real quick. This is your only question you get to ask me, if you don't take my offer. So, you have two choices here, my dear boy. You take my offer, and you touch. Or you ask your one question, and you're free to go. So I may only ask a question or accept your deal yes <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is such a hard choice Ooh. I will say Vil, I, I respect your assertions here I do not wish to go against them but I do believe that we agreed that I could ask one question before I made a decision if that was not the interpretation you had of our conversations then I am mistaken but you are mistaken, and you presume too much. I make the rules here. Don't presume to catch me in some sort of word play. If I spoke or misspoke, I can take it back as easily as I would so change everything around you. And with that, the ground splinters, and the wood shoots upward, and you feel these little bits of wood ripping apart your clothes and eating into your skin. And then you feel yourself being pushed back, just flying through the air. You feel this force against your back, as if you smacked into a very hard wall. 
and then that wall gave way and you continued going. And as you fall head over heels, finally coming to a stop on a pitch black plane, glancing upward, you see that everything around you is completely black, dark, no light anywhere. And then 500 feet or so in front of you is this little estate that was sitting in the port town and Vale climbs over the broken wall and then starts walking toward you and his voice booming in this blackness says do not presume me anything less than a god you don't think a reality would stoop so low as to interact with one of your bastard selves because he had nothing better to do no i have a purpose i have a desire and if you will not forward that purpose fulfill that desire then you are as useless to me as anything else on this god's damned world and as he reaches you and kneels down in front of you he looks you right in the eye and it's hard to concentrate right now on anything but him and it feels like as your thoughts go to anywhere else they feel forced to go to katasandra and then those memories start to fade little by little and you see them materialized in this blackness around you and they just slowly disappear into the dark and veil vale looks at you and says Val, take me very seriously. Listen very intently to every word I say right now. You are completely at my mercy. Your friends are completely at my mercy. Your life, your future, and your past are things I could erase in the blink of an eye, but I will not. And these memories start to strengthen once more and these scenes of you and Katasandra and your past all around you start to solidify once more and then he stands and he offers his hand down to you and he says take my hand and stand up i will ask my question <laughs> he just smiles wide but he doesn't move he says ask away why do you offer this power to me I'm inclined to reply with something quite stupid. I'll be honest. Something like, why not? Or whatever. But I'll be honest with you now. And at this point, his eyes take on a quality that you've never seen in him up to this point, And definitely never seen in the Valors that you interacted with. And it looks like a flit as his eyes dart every which way for just a second of uncertainty not so much fear but definitely an element of the unknown and he looks at you and he says i don't know it is beyond both of us now take my hand and stand up thou will do so he helps you to your feet puts his hands back behind his back Kind of looks over at the uh, little uh, Port Authority's estate a ways off at the smashed wall and broken floor and says, It was a pity. I kind of like that place. And then looks back at you and says, I'll give you one more chance and one more question. 
since you know the I may have acted a little rashly and put you in a position where you felt you may have been forced to ask such a question, but yeah, please, uh, this is an olive branch of sorts. And in one hand, he holds the little orb again that coalesces, and the other hand, he just holds empty. And he kind of raises that one and says, the question, or your future? Touch the orb. (laughs) I'm going to. I'll touch the orb. Okay. As you reach out and touch it, these little waves of light splash over the tip of your finger and then gather around your palm, and it swirls there, just this beautiful maelstrom of light and color, and it shifts from this white and yellow to these purples and blues and greens, and then it sinks into your palm, and it follows the little etchings of your skin all the way up your arm, and then right at the crook of your elbow, you feel this sharp jut of pain as it pierces under your skin, into a vein almost. And as this magic streaks into your body, cuts into you, You feel the most absolute cold feeling you've ever felt, and then it's gone. Just a sort of wave coming up into your chest. And then he looks at you, and he smiles very wide, and he says, You've just taken a step into a much larger world, my friend. From now on, Laurel. Yes? You will have something that we will call intent. Okay. And it will be a number counter. What's your current intelligence modifier? My modifier is a five. Okay. So when you roll for intent-related rolls, what I've had you been doing is rolling a d20 Mm -hmm. and then adding your intelligence modifier. From now on, you will also add this intent number, which will be a five. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That plus my intelligence? Yes. So plus 10? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So whenever you make intent rolls, it'll be a d20. Plus intelligence mod, plus intent mod. Sweet. Oh, I'm stoked on this. (laughs) And although you don't understand the mechanic (laughs) or how it works or what these numbers mean or do, don't worry about it. I won't. Val won't either. (laughs) He doesn't care. As Val learns, you will learn. Okay, great. Uncle Vale has got you covered. (laughs) Yeah, I'm scared he's going to make me a pawn, but I'll take the power. (laughs) That's the spirit. <laughs> I mean, Val acted on wisdom for like five seconds there. So, were you? Yeah, it's, were you acting on a virtue or a vice? I was the 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 asking determined de- being determined to ask my question was wisdom. Then I will award you a point of inspiration. Thank you. Vale starts to just crumble like an old stone statue, and you see the estate in the background do exactly the same and then there's just this little voice on the unseen wind that passes by you and he says and it's Vale obviously (laughs) and he says good luck and for a second you see the flash of that girl's face again that you saw in the crystal and he says find her and then you blink awake outside the once more intact Port Authority's estate as you blink awake, sit up, and notice Reese and the others in a similar predicament, all except for Mick, who is standing in the doorway to the office. Now, let's go on to Lyrian. 
in this forested area that Lyrian finds himself in with Vale, there's an empty tree trunk right beside the one that Vale is sitting on that he patiently pats, waiting for you to come and sit next to him. Lyrian goes and sits on the stump. Good, good. My friend, as I said, you need something from me and I need something from you. If we'll come to an accord, then why don't you tell me your provisions, and then I will outline mine. As you probably already know, we are looking for the Shard of Immin. I also have a question about that, the the Shard. We received the other Shards from realms that contained Valors, whereas I understand that you are a reality. Why is that? Why am I a reality? Why is the Shard of Immin in your realm rather than that of a Valor's. And why is the final shard in the realm of an ethereal? I don't know. Imin is beyond me. I have never bothered myself with it. I was given a charge. I have upheld it. And now I'm disinclined to. But that depends on if you're able to do something for me. And what is it that you have in mind? Unlike the Valor. I am able to manifest myself in a physical form. Reach out, touch me. You'll see that I'm here. Truly. This is me. I mean, not what I always look like, of course, but I can pick and choose those disguises. How I see fit. However, there are some places even I cannot go. And for those, I require mortals to do my work for me. There's one very specific thing that I need from the world's most complete library of knowledge. Or, well, and he starts just like counting on his fingers. Third, possibly fourth most complete library of knowledge. Most complete when you're just looking at the human world. But alas, it is the only one that contains the volume I seek. There's an organization, a university, the Arcanum, at Mainstay. The capital of the Fell Kingdom. In their library, there is something called the Book of the Night. It is a sanguine text. Very, very old. Any sanguine could tell you it. It's all oral tradition. But this predates that. This is something entirely different. And I need to read it. And I need you to get it for me. What do you think reading this will help you accomplish? I have some questions about things in the world that I don't quite understand at this present moment, and I'd like to understand them. I have a feeling this text will be illuminating. So, that is my end of the deal. You want my shard? I want my book. Do we have an accord? Before I say yes, I'd like to ask you... Just a few more questions. Please, but I don't have all day. Yes, they'll be very quick. First one, do you know anything about travel between worlds? A little. Why? Would you be able to share any of that with me? Because I may have business elsewhere. Able, yes. Willing, no. Not part of the deal. You want more from me? Unfortunately, I'll require more from you. All right. My other question is, do you know of my other companion, the Mach, and where he might be? I last heard that he was in the Kinlands. 
but you seem to know quite a bit about the Fell and Agadon. Of course I do. And I, I feel he is somebody of import to you and one that you would keep your eye on. Yes, yes. He actually was a, for a very small amount of time, you must understand. Could I say pupil? Yes, maybe I'll say pupil. He was, for a short amount of time, a pupil of mine. And then he left, went on to forge his own path. Admire him for that. Unfortunately, the power I was able to bestow upon him didn't sate his desires. He wanted his own destiny. And uh, I guess I just had one too many catches in our little deals. So no, I don't know what's become of him. And I don't know where he is. But Kinlands sounds good enough to me. Very well. If this book is what you require, and you are indeed able to give me the shard, I believe we can have a deal. Very, very good. Hold out your hand, Lyrian. He does so. And Vale takes out from one of his little pouches that he has on the shard of Immin. And he kind of just scrapes it against one of his teeth. And then he cuts into your palm. And with his other hand, he grabs your wrist to make sure you don't try to recoil. If you do... I mean, he gets cut on the hand and he gives a little a little jerk. Not necessarily away, but... Yeah. And he goes, steady, steady, steady. And he carves into your hand a very familiar symbol. One that you saw on Luca last. And then he lays the shard into your palm. And he says, return to the normal world with this. However, if you deviate from the course that I've given you, I will find another and you will meet an unfortunate end. Why have you given me such a mark? In my experience, nothing but pain and suffering come from this. Because, Lyrian, it's insurance. It's collateral. That was not part of our deal. It's part of every deal. You have your way out. I now have mine. If you decide to gallivant around on your own, fulfilling your own quests and desires once you leave here, when you're back in the beautiful lands of Egedon, I need to make sure that you waste no time going to Mainstay and fetching this book for me. As I said, deviate from this course, and you will find yourself in a very unfortunate predicament. And with this deal and the predicament that I can get myself into, how do you suppose that I actually return this book, this tome to you? When you have it, we'll speak again. And then you start to be encompassed by roots. Bits and pieces of wood and vine are now growing out of this stump and crawling over and covering your legs and your waist and up to your chest and your arms and all the way up to your mouth and then right before your eyes and ears and the rest of your head is covered you just see Vale give this little smile and a little wave and he just goes toodles and then your world goes black as you feel this crushing from these plants and then as you blink awake you see the same scene that everyone else has been in waking up in the middle of the street on your back, in front of the Port Authority's estate. Lerots! 
In this frozen battlefield where you and Vale stand, he had just said that he has a simple thing to ask you. He places a hand on your shoulder, and he looks at you dead in the eyes. And he says, Would you do anything for his radiance? Of course I would. His radiance, Emperor of Orkin. Anything that you to be done to save that man's glorious life. Very good. Then, and he kind of touches his thumb to your forehead, and you black out for just a second. And as you come to, a veil is pulling you up to your feet. And he says, when the time comes, you will know what to do, and you will fulfill your promise to his radiance. Farewell, General. And then Vale kind of just waves his fingers and says, Now sleep. And your world goes black once more. And then you wake up on the streets with your newfound friends. Now, Ifran. With Ifran and Vale now, this quaint scene that had been painted before falls away and you're once again in the fields of Imera. This large savanna stretching out before you, the northern mountains not too far on the horizon, their low, snowy caps, an inviting sight to the heat pouring down on you. Vale looks like himself as he stands in front of you, your large, heavy-laden cart still behind you. The Wanderer. Well, Ifran, you're quite the Wanderer yourself, you know. I am. Perhaps I am the Wanderer, hmm? Hmm. Perhaps. But I fear not. And... I have a simple request, if you'll permit me to make one. You may make a request, but I cannot promise that I will accept this request. Of course, no. You are all free to choose your own ways, unlike I was, unlike the other realities, unlike the Valors. You know, it's it's quite a thing to be fated for something, and then once it's there, it's not quite all that it was made out to be. And he kind of has this thousand-yard stare in his eyes as he's looking past you. He says, those that rebelled were punished. Even those that went through with it were punished. And then finally he looks at you and he kind of blinks back to himself and he says, excuse me, I'm just ruminating on the nature of things. The nature of the Wanderer is something that eludes me. You're an inquisitive one, Ifron. I'd trust you to get answers from people, places, things. And I need answers about the Wanderer. And why would I be inclined to give you answers about the Wanderer? Because, Ifron, I am the first higher power that you've encountered so far that isn't seeking to use you in some way. You are not seeking to use me. Hmm. To take advantage of you? No, I'm not. I'm asking a simple favor. A favor? And what do I get in return? As any good businessman knows, no debt should go unpaid. Here's a phrase I'm sure every emir gets giddy to hear. Name your price. Name my price? Wow. And what do you expect me to wish for? Riches? Fame? Safe passage somewhere? Perhaps a town home in Imera. Settle down with a wife and some children. What is it that you think I want? I don't care, Ifran. 
he doesn't look like he's really joking anymore. He seems quite serious, and he's looking at you a bit earnestly. And he's like, I don't give a damn what you want. Obviously, I need your help, and I'm asking for it. And I'm offering you the world. And you scorn me still. I do not want the world. But perhaps one favor can be repaid by another. If I obtain information about the Wanderer for you, then you must return a favor of my choosing at a time of my choosing. You must do whatever is in your power when I say so to help in whatever task I choose. One favor for another. Then let me make the conditions of my favor quite clear for you. I need to know who the Wanderer is. His true self. His name. His origin. Everything. Are we clear? Hmm. And what happens if I do not obtain this information? As we said, one favor for another. Your call will go unheard. Very well, then. One favor for another. And he uh, extends his hand. And Efron, not breaking any eye contact, takes it. And he gives you a firm shake and says, Be well on the road to Ilya. Yes, and you also. And then at that moment, Efron, as you release Vale's hand, everything sort of goes black. And then you blink awake on the cold streets, your friends surrounding you, Mick peering down at all of you.